0: the moment I stepped onto the grass, it was such a foreign experience. I'm like, I don't know this stuff. I don't know these people. And they're like, come on in. Like, have you ever done this? Let's do it. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) And just this incredible welcoming community that is so much fun. And there's so much playtime. And I think that's truly been a, a place that's given me so much peace. I think as adults, we need more playtime and we need to allow ourselves to play more and to explore what's possible. There's so many times in acro yoga where I've had a base say, let's do this crazy thing. And I'm like, no, no, that's crazy. I can't do that. And they surprise me and I can do it. And it's scary at first, but it's it's so incredible what the body is able to do when you allow it that opportunity.
1: Hi, I'm Pete McCall, and welcome to this episode of the All About Fitness Podcast. That voice you heard in the beginning is Doc Jenfit, otherwise known as Dr. Jen Escare. And before I get into the full introduction for Dr. Jen, I want to take a moment to say thank you, And, and I sincerely mean that. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the All About Fitness Podcast. I know you have choices for what you can do throughout the day. There are many, many podcasts out there. More and more podcasts being introduced every week, every day. And I really want to thank you for downloading and listening to the All About Fitness podcast. If you like what you hear, please do me a favor. Take a moment. Give it a rating. I'm an independent content producer. I'm doing this on my own. I'm trying to put great information out to help you learn learn how to use exercise to enhance your quality of life. So those ratings are like lifeblood for me. Subscribe to the All About Fitness podcast so you can get this content delivered to you every time I post a podcast. I'm trying to be consistent when I post them, but sometimes it's just what my workload allows. But I want to say thank you. Thank you for listening and tell your friends about the All About Fitness podcast. This is a great conversation today. I've told you there are different ways that I find guests for All About Fitness. Sometimes a PR person contacts me. Sometimes it's a personal friend or a friend of a friend, somebody who's doing really cool, really interesting stuff. But for Doc Jen... It was i for I don't know how I found her on on Instagram, but I started following her her Instagram handle Doc Jen Fit because she was doing some really cool mobility stuff and for anybody that understands movement and really understands exercise, mobility is the foundation of exercise. You can't be strong unless you're mobile, and there's a difference between flexibility and mobility and Doc Jen does a phenomenal job of describing that in her, in the interview, so I'll let her describe that when we get there, but there's a major difference between mobility and flexibility. And you can't be strong without being without being mobile. Mobility allows you to do really cool things. One of the things that Doc Jen was talking about, the reason why I used that quote in the beginning, is she goes out and she does some really fascinating bodyweight exercises. She does a lot of calisthenics. Now, she was a competitive gymnast growing up, so she has a slight advantage over many of us that weren't but she really knows how to use her body to control it. And we talk about the role of play. I think the one one of the things we forget about is that exercise and fitness is supposed to be fun. If you're not having fun when you go to the gym, you might need to change your program. If you're looking for some great ideas for exercise, if you're looking for some great ideas for how to change your program, check out my book, Smarter Workouts. I talk about mobility training, the role that mobility training plays. I have a chapter in there for core strength training. And really, core strength training is strength training. Any exercise we do on our feet can be considered core strength training. Metabolic conditioning. Smarter workouts teaches you what you need to know to design your work, your own workout programs. Or if you want other information, go to my website, petemccallfitness.com. I got workout programs on there. I got ebooks. I have a great ebook called Dynamic Anatomy that teaches you how your muscles really move. It goes in a lot more detail than Smarter Workouts in terms of what muscles are designed to do. I also have a great book on functional core training that can help you learn the right core training program for your needs. So go to PeteMcCallFitness.com, check down below in the show notes. That's the way you can support the podcast and learn how to use exercise to enhance your quality of life. So there's my pitch. Now let me get back to the introduction for Doc Jen because this is a fun discussion. This is a very dynamic young woman. And what's interesting is that she's made that transformation. She went to physical therapy school wanting to help people. And now she's become a major social media influencer. Not only that, but she's now on the Women's Health Magazine Advisory Board. So she really is. She's not just helping maybe 10 or 12 patients a day through her social media posts, through what she's doing digitally. She's helping tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. And that's powerful. And it's not just helping people look better. I mean, yes, yes, looking better is one reason why we exercise. But what Doc Jen does is helps people move better. But we have to remember that every exercise is a movement. I'll say that again. Every exercise is movement. And movement is a skill that has to be practiced and has to be developed. And Doc Jen, from watching her feed, I follow her on Doc Jen Fit, and I also follow the mobility method. Doc Jen does a great job of teaching people how to move better. So no more from introduction from me. This is a fun, this is an insightful, and this is a very just lively discussion with Doc Jen Fit, Doctor Jen Escare. Today we're speaking with Doctor Jen Escare, a physical therapist. And, and how else would you describe yourself, Jen? What, what would you, if somebody you're meeting somebody for the first time, how do you describe what you do?
0: <laughs> oh man, it, that's a Loaded question. But I would say most people know me as like the mobility coach or the mobility queen is what I've gotten my fame and rise on social media through, I guess.
1: Well, I want to say thank you for taking the time today to speak with me because that's exactly how I started following some of your content was the mobility information you put up. What you're, you're a physical therapist, right? You have a doctor in physical therapy.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep.
1: What got you into studying the body? What, what was it that, that got you into studying the body and the movement?
0: You know, I've always been pretty obsessed with movement, and um, early on, my parents required that we be in a sport growing up, which I absolutely appreciate because it taught me so much about not only movement and the body, but about life. You learn a lot of life lessons when you're in sports, right? And so I appreciated that. And as I continued on my journey in, in sports and gymnastics mainly, um, I ended up, retiring at the age of 16 and going on to coach it. And it was still like, it's great to coach it, but why am I taping an ankle? And why am I modifying movement? And why am I, there was always this, this search for why, like the movement that I'm doing, I can understand what I need to do and how I can pro- progress someone, but what else is there to the picture? And then I got into, um, You know, When I went into college, I just knew that I wanted to study kinesiology because it's the study of human movement. And that was the only thing that sounded appealing to me. And as I was doing that, I started to teach Pilates as well. And again, it was still this, this hunger for understanding more about the body. I can modify around pain and injury that they might be having, but why are they even having that? And is there more that I could be doing to help? And so that is what ultimately led me down this path of I think physical therapy is the thing that I want to do. I don't want to, I want to be able to walk the journey with a patient. I want to be able to see how they're progressing within their body. And I loved as an aide watching how physical therapists would watch movement or feel movement in their hands. And I'm like, what are they watching for? And what are they feeling for? And it was always this, this hunger to understand it on a deeper level that really led me into like being just so clear that that's what I want to do.
1: And what that's interesting because there's a big, there's a dichotomy and listeners might, might not be aware of this, but there's a little, my understanding is there's a little dichotomy in the physical therapy field, right? Because in traditional physical therapy, if you get, if somebody comes in with knee pain, you're supposed to look at the knee. But if you look at the body holistically, it could be, it could be the hip or it could be the foot that's maybe impacting the knee. Has that been... You know, what's been your experience with that? I mean, how do you how do you take the approach when you start working with somebody? what do you do you look at just one joint or how do you look at at, at movement as a whole?
0: Oh, I look at the entire body. and beyond even just their entire body, I ask them questions about what's happening in their life. <laughs> I think it all plays a role, especially when we're experiencing pain. And that is actually something that kind of pulled me away from the clinic as much. I think, as you're saying, traditionally speaking, we are taught, we, I mean, I think especially as a physical therapist, because we're now doctors of physical therapy, there's a diagnostic aspect that comes with being a doctor. So we, we diagnose based on musculoskeletal injury. And in order to diagnose based on those, we need to understand what's happening within that one pain point. So I can, so I can diagnose that, that thing. But I think we got so focused on needing to diagnose that musculoskeletal injury that we stay pinpointed on that one symptom in that one area. And I think that has gotten us into a little bit of trouble if we stick to tr- too much in just focusing on those minute movements in that one joint when we don't see how the body works as a whole. And we got this a little bit, but I would say I continued to st- seek it out more and more based on finding mentors um, outside, whether they're chiropractors, personal trainers, physical therapists, like it really didn't matter. I, I found myself looking to the people who were doing things a little bit differently and the change and effect that they were having and the things that just made sense to me, I'm like, I want to learn that. That sounds like that makes more sense. And so I continued to just go down this educational path, again, taking courses or learning from people that might not even be in my field, but I think could relate to the way that I treat a human. And that's really what I'm looking at when I'm, when I'm looking at a body part. I'm not looking at that one pain point. I'm looking at the human as a whole.
1: And see, I think that's such an interesting way to look at it, Jen, because I know that in having taught, I've taught some at university level myself, you know, you kind of get built into these roles and that universities try to cover a specific curriculum. But then when you get out and get out into continuing education, like you said, you might take a workshop from a chiropractor one month and might go hear a strength coach speak the next month. What have you found that's really, who, who's been, what's been influential? Who, who have been the influencers in your career that have made you take a, look at, look at movement a different way.
0: Mm. Um, let's see. When I was in, in school still, one of the, the chiropractors, uh, Dr. Trish, ooh, what was her last name? <laughs> um, oh, I can't remember right now, but she was, she was a chiropractor who was doing a lot of different things and she would work with anyone from doing like more basic human movement from the time when we're a baby and really Developmental patterns and how we are as adults, and looking at those, and so she would kind of pull in those school of thoughts, and I thought that was so interesting, and that was so um, new-ish in the way of thinking. It was more of like almost DNS type stuff, but I had never seen it. Especially going through school, I had never seen that kind of taking what we learn from pediatrics and applying it to an adult, which makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and and then she would go into other other things. I mean, now she's like deep in Wim Hof and she's teaching for Wim Hof, and, but she continued to seek more. And I thought that was really cool. And she was actually the first person that I saw working on someone at, in their home. And she was doing what I perceived as more of a physical therapy treatment rather than a chiropractic treatment. And I thought, how is this person who's a chiropractor doing my job which was a little bit more of a longer treatment, hands-on, soft tissue movement, breath, all of that kind of stuff. And yet you're not going through an MD to get a prescription. You're, you're making your own schedule. You're not in a clinic. And I remember presenting that to one of my professors. And at the time, direct access was pretty new. And so presenting this idea that we can work anywhere and we could just take our table and tools and see a client, was pretty new. And when I asked that question, like, Hey, I saw a chiropractor doing this. Can't we do it? They said, no, that couldn't happen. Hmm. And I was so shocked. Like you just told this group of 60 something people that that's not possible. And it was really kind of sad to me (laughs) that that was the mindset that we were in at the time. And I'm so glad that we've continued to expand and grow. And I hope that we only continue down this path of, of, seeing how valuable physical therapists can be and the value in paying and understanding your body in that way. But ultimately, it just continued to lead me down this path of who else is doing it. And I met this person, Vinnie Rehab, who was blowing up on social media and he's doing things very different. Now he gets a lot of pushback, but it was interesting. Why are you doing things differently? What are you doing? And so I learned the mild detox way. Then I saw this other woman, uh, the movement maestro, Shantae Cofield. She was doing things different. Learn from her. Perry Nicholson. Um, Just these people that continued to push boundaries and do things a little bit different and more holistically, looking at the entire body, going outside of the traditional clinic, going outside of what we've known and been taught and pushing boundaries. And those are the people that really inspire me because whether it's clinical right now or not, is it having an effect on the people that you're seeing and why could that be? And that's what continues to really drive me and keep me curious as well. The body is always changing. We're always learning something new.
1: Well, and that's my understanding about physical therapy though, is that it needs to be kind of reproductive. And this isn't a, it isn't a critique of it. It's just, it's like, we need to know that there's this protocol for dealing with knee pain. If there if there's a pain in the lateral meniscus, we know we're going to follow this protocol. Or if there's pain at this part of the body, we're going to follow this specific protocol. But it really is, I mean, my, my in my years of doing this, human movement, everybody has the same basic parts, but everybody moves differently. So it really is kind of a challenge to be able to put things in one box. You said something that was really interesting. You said the value of pain. Why, why can, how, why and how can pain be a good thing? What, what is a good thing about pain? We normally, we perceive it as something negative, but what's something that we can learn from pain? How can pain be a teaching tool?
0: Oh, pain is, pain is our guide. Pain is our, our gift, truly. And I like to, you know, switch the way that people have been taught about pain that it's bad, we need to push it away, it's not good. Pain is our signal. If we don't have pain, then we don't need we don't know if we need to go into something on a deeper level. We don't know if it could be referred from internal even. Pain is our warning sign and it's our protective mechanism. And so especially when people get things like spasms, tightening, that's your body's way of protecting you. Think of when someone scares you and you go <gasps> And everything gets really tight in the body. your Your shoulders rise to your ears and, and your arms come and protect your chest because that is your body 's mechanism of protection. And it's the same way in which a muscle might spasm or something gets really tight. It's your body's way of saying, hey, that doesn't feel safe. I'm going to pull you back and just make sure that we're all good here. And if we could just start acknowledging that as like, oh, thank you. Like, thank you for protecting me. Thank you for making me aware that something isn't working well or, or you're not feeling safe for some reason, or maybe I'm neglecting something, whether it's sleep water, nutrients, movement, mobility, whatever it may be, I'm neglecting something and my body is is giving me a little touch of a warning to say, hey, something's not right. And I'm just going to signal you so that you're aware. and And I also want to protect you. And I think if we can start to acknowledge it that way rather than fight it and resist it or ignore it, <laughs> like a lot of people like to do, we're going to have a lot more success in actually building relationship with it and changing the ultimate effect in our body as ourselves, not needing to rely on anyone else, not, not thinking it's out of our hands, but actually taking back control in ourselves.
1: Well, and I like the way you laid that out because I think there's there's still, and it's it's hard to believe that this still exists in this day and age. But there still is this thought process, right, Jen, that that no pain, no gain, or, or pain is just weakness leaving the body. When in reality, if somebody does feel pain, say they're doing an say they're doing an exercise like the squat, and they start feeling pain in their back, what she, rather than working through it, and I know you, we can't diagnose somebody, we're not giving. And I want to be very clear, we're not giving anybody any <laughs> medical advice by any yeah. stretch of imagination. But I just want to—I want to ask this question because I want people to realize that if they're feeling pain in the body. It's a signal that something isn't going right. So if somebody does feel pain, and what should they do if they if they're exercising?
0: I think the first thing is to acknowledge it. Like, oh, I'm actually feeling this pain rather than trying to ignore it or like you said, work through it, like acknowledge it. Now, what can I do that could be something different within this movement that could maybe create a different effect? And so that is so many different things, right? Maybe I can lift my heels so that I am not trying to force ankle dorsiflexion that is not there. Maybe I can hang on to a pole so that I can get a little bit more depth and take some some pressure off of my trunk and my core. Uh, maybe I can do some mobility in my hips. Maybe my hips weren't very warmed up and so they're not getting a lot of the pressure and my back is taking on more. There's there's not one way of doing anything. The goal is what can I do differently that can create a different effect? And I think the the re The reality that we need to like continue to remember is that continuing to do the same thing over and over again is not going to create a different result. We know this. And so it's the same for our body. We don't need someone to necessarily be picking every little thing apart. I mean, it's great to have a coach and get guided through. um, So, because we don't, we can't always see things, But at the same time, if you just tried something different, even if it was like, oh, let me lift my toes. Oh, that didn't work. (laughs) Let me widen my stance. Oh, that helped a little bit. Maybe I could do that a little bit more, or maybe lighten the load. Or, you know, there's so we, we can go so expansive on this. And the reality is, what can I do differently? That can create a different effect, and you get to explore and listen to your body in that way and that that's a cool way to really start to get to know your body on that in in that way as well
1: see that's such a, that's such an important tool because I think you're right. I think pain can be useful and now to the, the, the kind of let's, let's qualify this, how would you describe the difference between pain and discomfort? because as a, as a coach as a trainer, I always try to and somebody who educates other trainers and coaches. I try to make the point that our job is if you're my client, I'm trying to get you comfortable being slightly uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Meaning I want you to be able to embrace that discomfort because discomfort means. how would you describe the difference between discomfort and pain?
0: Right. So I would say discomfort is either you're doing something new that is, it feels a little bit scary, but the moment that you stop it, you're like, oh, we're good. Like, I'm fine. There's no continued pain or warning signals or anything like that. So maybe I can try it again. And that's just your body's way of going into a new type of thing. That's your that's your alarm system sometimes goes off when it's unsure of something. But if we can back off and it completely goes away and it stops and we could try it again and it gets a little bit better, that's your body's way of saying, oh, this is just new. I'm just getting used to it. Um, I would say if it, it if it continues on after you stop the exercise or a day after, well, but we got to qualify that too because <laughs> that could be muscle soreness from something yeah. new. But but you know it's it's more if it's sharp, if it's achy, if it's you know those kind of signals is the things that you're looking for. If it's just something that feels tired, that feels tight, that feels. Um, like it's being challenged, that's more of your muscle tissue starting to get used to and build muscle. Um, I mean, even in the clinic, I got to say, we've had patients who come in and they're like, I almost went to the ER yesterday because everything was hurting so much. And when people aren't used to muscle soreness in ways that they have never experienced or in places they've never experienced, it can be a very scary thing. And I think acknowledging that and saying, you know, and and making people very aware. We work these muscles. It's very new to your system. They're probably going to be stressed and feel a little bit something maybe for the next day, maybe even the day after that. That's normal. That's okay. We're going to continue to work through that and it's going to get better the more that you do it. And I think if we can continue to play that message out for people, you know, the fear of it can go and, and subside. And... And we start to understand the difference between soreness and getting tired and tight versus sharp, dual, achy type of pain where it's like, "Mm, that doesn't feel right. I need to do something different.
1: And that's that's a great description because I do think that sometimes that's what keeps people from doing something new in the gym or trying a new form of exercise is it feels that there's an uncomfortableness to it or a discomfort that they might be perceiving incorrectly as pain. Now, one of the reasons I want to speak with you is about your experience in mobility and, and, your, and, and the work you do in mobility. One of the questions I want to ask is, how would you just describe the difference between mobility and flexibility? And the reason why I ask that is I think a lot of people think, okay, I need to work on flexibility. We teach that as one of the core components of fitness, and they might do a few stretches, a few static stretches, like the old-fashioned hamstring stretch we used to do you know, in practice when we were kids. But yeah. how would you? The difference, Jen, between flex is there a difference in flexibility, and mobility? And how would you describe that?
0: Yeah, so flexibility is really just the ability to obtain a passive range of motion and in and improve it. But you're not putting any tension through the muscle, you're not putting any force or contraction. And so ultimately, flexibility is is one aspect to be able to increase range of motion. But if we can't take this increased range of motion and actually apply it to life, then it doesn't really hold up so much within our body to actually create any good change, functional change. It just might look pretty for pictures. (laughs) So that's really flexibility. And that's why like my programs, people ask, oh, am I going to learn splits? Am I going to? And I say, no, I don't actually go over that in my programs because though it's something cool that you can obtain, it's not something that necessarily needs to be functional unless you're a gymnast or a dancer. So I don't actually teach it. I teach the functionality of the movements that you're going to need that relate to life. And that's where mobility comes into play. So we still want to increase that range of motion, but we actually want to be able to have control over that range of motion as well. So it's like you said, that example of just having a strap on your foot and pulling that leg towards you, laying on your back, doing a hamstring stretch, and then being able to stand up. And now how high can I actually actively lift that leg? And that is that mobility aspect. How can you take that range of motion and actively guide your body into it? because that's going to relate more to life if if you trip and you extend your leg really far you're not going to hopefully pull a hammy or anything because you and you have that strength within that full range or if you step to a side or there's so many different moments in life where we're just going to be tested. <laughs> and so being able to have that awareness through the range and at the end range is going to help your body to feel safer not pull on you so tightly when, you, when something suddenly happens, and ultimately, hopefully, not pull as many muscles, strain as many tendons and ligaments, and help to keep you safer and stronger within your body as a whole.
1: And see, I think that's a great description. That's a great, great way to talk about it because a lot of people don't realize they need to control their range of motion. Now, this, I wanted to ask this question earlier, but I wanted to ask the mobility one first, Cause we're talking about, we're talking about discomfort and we're talking about pain. And there are so many people out there that think when they exercise that it always needs to be hard, that it always needs to, I need to push myself with every workout. What is the value of a mobility workout? Why, why should somebody maybe one or two days a week just do nothing but a mobility workout? What, what value does that add to an overall program?
0: Well, first of all, we're not going to actually build uh, in your body if you're not having the ability to relax in and and fully extend through that motion. So think of your muscle like super contracted into a bicep curl. Now it's already tight and taut. Now I'm going to just contract it more and contract it more. It doesn't work like that. We need the full length to be able to extend that muscle and to be able to bend that muscle. And so I really encourage people to take the time to, do you have the ability to even relax in the body before we we think of contracting in the body and building that strength? We need to have all aspects of of that tissue tension. And sometimes that's like the number one thing I'm working on people is getting them to actually be able to relax in the body. A lot of people can't do that. I will have people on my table where I'm just checking passive range of motion. That's it. But I take an arm and I can feel the tension through it. And they say, no, I'm relaxed. I'm relaxed. But if I let go of the arm when it's up in space, it would stay. And I say, see, that's not relaxed. If it was actually relaxed, it would flop down to the table. And so think about that. Like if you go to get a massage, am I actually relaxed? Or if you're watching, even watching TV, is, am I relaxed into the couch or am I actually pulling my body and tensing my neck? A lot of times we don't realize that we're holding onto our body and we're holding onto this residual tension, stress, and then we go to work out and we're stressing the tension even more. We're not actually going to make gains. You're going to probably plateau and not understand why. And you're not going to be able to to progress because ultimately you're going to lose the range of motion in your body without having that full spectrum of tissue tension. So we need that relaxation in order to grow and expand into that contraction.
1: And I think that's such a great concept for people to understand because I don't know about you, Jen, but as much as I enjoy a good hard workout, whether kettlebell or barbell that, you know, sometimes that's fun stuff. And there's always that sense of empowerment that comes with lifting Mm -hmm. stuff heavy. And I know you do, you do weightlifting and I know you you train hard. There's something that really is just those days when I just do a body weight, like a mobility workout, it just, it feels so, I mean, do you know what I'm talking about that difference? I mean, you know that you have those hard training days. How do you try to get people that you work with to understand that, Hey, we need to downregulate sometimes that we need to just do this because I think we have so many, I mean, you're in LA and LA is pretty much a definition of a type A in certain, in certain categories. And I think that's sometimes as coaches, I think the hardest part we have is to take those people and say, no, you need to, you, you need to take it easy. You don't need to crush yourself with every workout. What, you know, what do you, what do you use? How do you get people to kind of buy into that thought process?
0: You know, I, I say it as we're, we're priming and we're setting your foundation. If we're going to actually build and, and get to this place of increasing strength, increasing skill, increasing agility, or, and, and ultimately improving longevity within your body, we have to set the foundation. And it's the same as watching a baby develop. So if we know the basic stages of baby development, at five months old, they start exploring their feet so much that they're taking their toes and sucking on them. And not that we need to be sucking on our toes, but they get this (laughs) natural mobility before they start to program in crawling and then ultimately standing and squatting and walking. They don't build strength until they have that mobility within their hips, their legs, their, their body. And that's just a natural occurrence that happens. And yet we go into it and say, oh, it's okay if you don't have mobility. Let's just squat and get you really strong. But that person might not even have a full squat ability. They might not even have that mobility within their hips, especially in modern America. You're sitting in chairs, you're sitting at desks, you're sitting in cars, you're sitting on couches. Not once are you really needing to get all the way down onto the floor and sit in a crisscross position. Not unless you're you're a kid again. And so we need to understand that we have to build from that foundation. If we ultimately want to have that longevity, strength, control within our body, it's not going to happen if we're neglecting that. And so I like to say it as like, it's your primer, like just, it's like brushing your teeth. If we want to avoid cavities, we want to avoid all these other stuff, we kind of have to add in the flossing. We have to add in the things that are, it's going to loosen up and, and make sure that our teeth are functioning and working well. Brushing our teeth is great, but no one wants to do the flossing. That's like the most annoying part. But if I could just spend two minutes a day to do a little flossing, flossing in your body, getting those muscles lengthened and contracted, you know, same idea, then I can avoid so much pain and injury down the road. And I build on that foundation.
1: Well, and I don't think I, and I, I don't know that much about you personally, but you, are you a parent yet? Do you have, do you have kids?
0: Not yet. <laughs>
1: okay. I just want to, but I want to, you know, and then this isn't a reason to jump out and have them, but I, my kids are now six and eight. And so it, to me, it was the most fascinating thing to watch them move and to be able to watch them go to a park and go to a playground. And what was really, what's really interesting. And this is fascinating to me, Jen, is like my older daughter when she was 18 months, I would take her into the, if there are no bigger kids around, I would take her to the bigger playground and let her play all over the bigger toys, which are a little bit of a stretch for her. And here in Southern California, just so people listening, a lot of the playgrounds are on sand. So I wasn't really that worried about, I wasn't worried about her falling. If she fell from a meter or two meters, she was falling in the sand. So she wasn't going to get that hurt. And then my younger daughter, my younger daughter walked about six weeks ahead of my older daughter. And and really, I would say my younger daughter is probably the better athlete because mm-hmm. she's a little bit more than two years younger than my older daughter. She's always had to kind of play catch up and be able to to, to follow that. And now that they're they're both in elementary school, I'm just trying to keep them moving because what I've seen and, and I wanna, This is where I'm going with the question because when we're kids, we're young. You're a gymnast. You know, I played different sports growing up. We move all over the place. But then what happens? When we become older, we become stuck in our cars. We become stuck at the desk. And then when we do work out, we might go into the gym and we follow this model, of I'm only going to work one muscle group at a time. When you design exercise programs, how do you design the programs? Design, do you design your programs based on, like, we're going to work the biceps today or work the quadriceps? Or what are, how, do, how do you build the programs that you design?
0: For myself or for clients or...
1: For both. I mean, when you, when you look at designing exercise programs, mm-hmm. knowing that we're built to move, where I was, where I was going mm-hmm. with that was we are built to move. So watching mm-hmm. my kids move kind of reinforced the squat, the push, the pull, because I watched them look. I couldn't coach them that when they're you know, 12, 14, 15 months old. I couldn't coach that in them. They discovered it themselves. Totally. Yet when we're adults, we lose, that, we lose that movement, what I think Gray Cook calls movement literacy. We, we lose mm-hmm. that literacy in our body.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when, anytime I'm programming something, it's what is the function that is needed for that individual? So it's not necessarily, I don't coach on aesthetics. I'm not coaching, you know, I think that there's a time and place if that is the goal that you have in mind for a specific sport, like a lot of the bikini competitors, I'm not going to say that's wrong or bad. That's, that's the goal and that's the specific sport. But if you don't need to do that you should be training for function. And so exactly like you said, having that, the basic patterns, push, pull, hinge, squat, and rotate. I think a lot of times we neglect rotation within exercise as well, or we neglect going in different directions. And so I always try to say, am I doing single leg support? Am I rotating through this workout? Am I getting lateral so side to side movement in this workout. And I want, to, I want to get it all because really that's going to help me feel the best. I remember the first time, I think I was in PT school, that I did a push with a pull. And I felt the best ever. And I was like, why do people mostly only focus on chest for a day and then focus on, like, why don't we put this together? This is amazing. I feel like I'm walking upright. I feel like I can own my day now. And it really just, it changed my perspective in needing to break up these little minute body parts and really just focus on what is the function of what I'm trying to create. And that's what, you know... For my programs, especially like the Optimal Body, I want to get people in positions that they're probably not going to do at the gym or that they're probably not going to do with the traditional exercise program. And so for me, that's looking like again single leg support rotational support even from a single leg <laughs> who's doing external rotation lunges or internal rotation lunges like i'm i'm mixing things up and making it look weird so that people get to explore movement within their body and explore their capability of where they can go and then for core we're we're talking about pelvic floor diaphragm you know we're talking in different ways of how to control the breath and that intra-abdominal pressure rather than how do you build a six pack, (laughs) you know? And so the more that I want to just teach people on how to continue to explore the body, explore what's possible and improve your function capacity, functional capacity. We're not even aware of what we're not aware of until we start to explore it.
1: Well, I think as you say that, I think it's kind of like the matrix, right? You have the red pill and the blue pill about which one do you want to take? Do you want to stay here and stay in the paradigm of doing what you've always done and maybe you get the back soreness, maybe you get a little discomfort, or do you want to kind of explore this new area? And that's really where the journey I've gone down in my career, Jen, is really understanding movement and really how to integrate with movement. Now, where I want to get going with this, where I want to go with this too, is to talk about how you become a really powerful social media influencer. <laughs> because I know when you went to PT school, you didn't go to PT school saying, hey, this is how I want to, you know, I'm going to end up with my career coaching people through social media. How did you get started? What what first got you started on Instagram, and and were you surprised at, at kind of the response from it?
0: One hundred percent. Oh my goodness! I never in anticipated building a following, um, you know, at all. My handle or my my username for Instagram was Jen underscore E S underscore Care because that's how you phonetically say my name. And <laughs> I was just posting, I was in grad school at the time and I was just posting my workouts and continuing to do things that I love to do in my body, especially I, for me, I wanted to always maintain my gymnastic strength, which just meant like pull-ups, leg lifts, um, my bo- my own body weight and being able to control that. I, I loved that experience from, from gymnastics. And so I would post about that, tag the calisthenic community. And one day one of them reached out to me. And at the time he has like 300,000 followers and I'm like, oh my God, he reached out to me. (laughs) And he said, we all get together in Venice. You should come down and, and train with the guys. And I went down and they were all so incredibly nice. Like I remember being on the beam on Venice beach and they like literally introduced themselves one at a time. And it was like, Oh my God, this is such a cool community. Everyone is super supportive, wants to see you grow and improve. And everyone's just so nice and welcoming. And I continued to end with that community. And, and at the time, progressive calisthenics would, would, tag and post about the people in the community. And naturally I started to get followers. And so I was just decided at that time, like, okay, well, I guess I just post handstands and this is what I do. (laughs) That's what people want to see. And so I continued to kind of grow in the fitness side of things. And then once I graduated physical therapy school, I wanted people to know that I had a little bit more knowledge rather than just what I could do with my body, but what, what I could teach you about yours as well. And it was scary coming out as a brand new grad to say, I'm going to educate, but I just thought, you know what, let me just start at the very basics, the very basics and see how people respond. I think everyone knows this information, so it's not going to do well. And I just put a video out there. I think it was on like thoracic extension And when I did that, I got a huge response. More people were watching that video, commenting, asking questions than my regular fitness handstand type things. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. People actually don't know this information. And it's so basic in my head, but if it could help people, why not put it out? And so I just continued to like just a little bit at a time And I really just said to myself, you know what? Information can change. I can change my mind on what I'm teaching, but why not share what I know to be true right now? And that's always been my mindset, and that's where I'm going to continue to go. My information can change. you know, My thought process can change, but I'm going to continue to teach what I know to be true right now, and I'm going to continue to grow in it.
1: Well, I love the way you said that because and I always make this point for listeners, so they might be tired of hearing me say that. Because when I have people on, when I have people on the podcast that are PhDs or doctors, they all come back to that of they, there's a lot they don't know. They have an understanding mm-hmm. right now, but they're still evolving and learning. And so I really want people to listen to that because that's the people you want to follow are those people that are always questioning. And what you, what you think six months from now might be different than what you think today based on new evidence. And I really, I think that's an important thing to highlight. And that's one of the reasons why I started following you was be I, I saw that and I saw that in what you're posting. Now I wanna come back, take take a step back real quick because last year I took my kids up, my daughters up to Venice Beach. Describe, Describe what's up at Venice. It's like right in the Venice Santa Monica border and what a cool area that is for people that are into movement.
0: Oh my goodness. It is like movement heaven. So in Venice Beach, you have... Um, you have Muscle Beach as well. In Santa Monica, you have the original Muscle Beach, but Venice is where I started and it has a big wooden beam and it's got rings and ropes and bars and even like a boxing thing and just like literally on the sand and then you can see the water. So that was really where I first got starting calisthenics in that community and it was so cool. And then I was going to open gym and I saw which is just like a gymnastics adult, you know, kind of playground. And I saw someone come in there and she was doing handstands on this guy's hands. And I was like, you could do handstands on someone's hands. I thought, what, what is this? And that was acro yoga. And she said, everyone gets together in Santa Monica. And then, so I was like, what? That's amazing. So I went down to Santa Monica and that also has traveling rings and ropes. And sometimes people take down the ropes and they put on like the aerial silks or they'll put on the, the lira. Um, and there's, and then there's just this, green patch of grass that everyone gets together and does acro yoga. And it's almost like it's split in half. You have one side that does more ground-based and l basing which means the man's on his back and the feet are in the air and doing acro. And then you have the other half of the grass, which is doing standing stuff, which is where I went because I wanted to to do with a handstand standing. (laughs) And you have all these other people. And again, the moment I stepped onto the grass, it was such a foreign experience. I'm like, I don't know this stuff. I don't know these people. And they're like, come on in. Like, have you ever done this? Let's do it. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) And just this incredible welcoming community that is so much fun. And there's so much playtime. And I think that's truly been a, a place that's given me so much peace. I think as adults, we need more playtime and we need to allow ourselves to play more and to explore what's possible. There's so many times in acro yoga where I've had a base say, Let's do this crazy thing. And I'm like, No, no, that's crazy. I can't do that. And they surprise me and I can do it. And it's scary at first, but it's, it's so incredible what the body is able to do when you allow it to, that opportunity.
1: And that was what I'd seen. I'd seen some stuff. I'd seen people post on that area. And my, my older daughter had just done a, um, what are those called? The Ninja Warrior. She'd done a Ninja Warrior camp. And so I wanted to take her up there because that's really, she is such a good climber. And, and, and this is me bragging a little bit, being a, 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 brag, a, a dad bragging, that I really, I see her getting into that. I, I want to see her like explore Ninja Warrior type of activities as opposed to traditional sports, just because of what you say, because I want her to have that understanding of movement. And I love the way you describe that play and and, and go into a little bit more depth about what play allows. I mean, what, what is that? What is, how does play change your approach to exercise?
0: I could be outside for hours and not even realize it. And all of a sudden I've, I have an incredible workout, but it rather than just a work, I'm standing, I'm moving, I'm doing things for a whole, like four hours. That's, when do you really get that throughout the day? We're sitting so much. And so even just to be able to play by standing and walking and and going and moving your body in different ways, again, it's going to just introduce something different to the system. And I always made sure as well, like when I was doing acroyoga and learning a lot of it, if it ever switched to stressful or like, I can't get this move and I'm getting mad, I'm like, I'm done we're switching to something else because this is my play time. This is not my stress time. And I'm not trying to go out and perform for anyone. I'm not trying to be in any shows. This is literally just play for me. And so the moment that it switches to stressful, like I had to be done. And sometimes I was a head case in gymnastics. And <laughs> sometimes that would happen in acro yoga too, where I'm getting fearful or stuck in my head. And so just being able to like explore that even and switch it. And it's just, it, it brings so much joy. And when we can laugh at ourselves and explore different things. There's so much joy that gets to come with that. And even my girlfriend um, she that lives in the same apartment complex as me, she got a big tumble mat for her birthday. And so now we've been taking that out to the grassy area in our complex. I mean, it's quarantine. No gyms are open. You can't, do, can't play as much. And so we've been pulling that out. And it's brought me so much joy because I can play again and just what? explore.
1: And I love the way you describe that because that's why, and I haven't done one for two or three years, but that's why I got into doing like the Spartan races and the mud runs because it was an opportunity. I didn't really take the competition seriously. I could to go, I could go climb obstacles and run through mud for a couple of hours. It really is such a different approach. I mean, the gym is one thing and lifting something heavy is cool and all, but being able to go up and, and do the monkey bars and climb a wall and, and being able to flip a tire I think there's just something so liberating in, in that and that people don't realize that because we get so stuck in this paradigm of this what this is what exercise has to be. We have to do it this way. And right. da, 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 you know what I mean? It yeah. just, I think we kind of become stuck in, in that paradigm. Now, with, with your online, with what you do online, you also produce a lot of content that people can, can engage and, and learn about mobility. How receptive are people too? Because you have the mobility. I just had it up here. Sorry. So I wanted to ask you about it, but you have, the, you have the optimal body and you have the mobility method. What are you trying to get people to, to learn with, with these programs and with what you're doing?
0: Uh, one, I'm trying to get them to learn that you got to take autonomy for yourself, for, for what happens within your body and what you can control, because you can control so much when we start to bring more awareness. Um, and so I'm usually you know, teaching on the aspect of like, you're neglecting something in the body, whether it's mobility, strength, breath, <laughs> we're neglecting something. And if we could just start to increase our awareness, we start to learn so much more, so much more. And it's so amazing to be able to have a guide to learn that awareness and gain just a better idea and understanding about our body that's what coaches are for trainers therapists like we're we're guides we're facilitators into the body we're not fixing you and I don't go by the the concept of like coming to me to fix you and that's why my programs take work you got to actually do them <laughs> so the mobility method there's there's a whole self assessment that goes first and based on what's restricted for your body that's what you need to do but there's no like Here's your 12 weeks into gaining mobility because we don't all start at the same place. I could I I have created that and it can work possibly, but what if that's not the mobility that you needed? What if you needed something else? What if your body was restricted in other places? What if you needed more stabilization and strength rather than relaxation and down regulation for that muscle? So there's so much more to explore in it in it. I and give you the tools so that you can implement them into your life. And the hardest part is that it takes new habits and new implementation in order to create change. But once you can do it, like I've seen so much amazing success, heard so many incredible stories. People who've even been to other therapists and chiropractors haven't found relief and have actually implemented what they've learned within the programs in their body and have a world of a difference in how they feel. And that's really what I want to be able to create for people. It's not going to fix you, but it can help facilitate a different experience in your body.
1: And I think that's so important because I think, as I said, we get so stuck in this paradigm of what exercise theoretically should be, that it really is a chance to exercise. To me, is more of a chance to explore movement and explore the potential of, of the body. Now you're doing a podcast as well we kind of talked about that and I don't normally I don't normally promote other podcasts on here but I, I, I like I listen to one or two episodes and you're doing a podcast with your fiance right and what do you what do you guys it's the optimal body correct
0: mm-hmm. and what do you guys yeah. talk
1: about in the podcast
0: so the optimal body I have a membership as well and the the whole point is that there's no one optimal body optimal is a continued journey into discovering whatever opt, optimal means within your own body. And that's what we're trying to do. So we take a lot of pain points, physical therapy diagnoses, and we break it down in the most simplest, easy to understand manner. We're not talking to other clinicians, even though some listen. We're not. We're, we're talking to the general public in order to understand their body better, in order to understand why something might happen and what they can start doing about it. Um, And then we bring on other people from interviews, from physical therapists, chiropractors, to trainers, to uh, health coaches, to nutritionists and dietitians, to really the, the the whole spectrum, mental health coaches, because we want you to understand that when you're optimizing your body, it's not just about movement. You have to take awareness and responsibility for your entire environment. In order to help facilitate that continued long-term change.
1: And see, I think that's so important because again, people don't realize that it's all we're all part of the same body. What happens between the ears, what happens in our gut, what happens when we sleep, it all adds up to what what we actually have to move with and live with and be with. And I think mm-hmm. so when I, when I saw that and I, I heard what you guys were doing with that, I thought that's really cool because what I'm trying to do, obviously with, with this you know with this podcast, is I'm really trying to get after people like my age, age 35, 40 and over, and understand how to use fitness to really optimize their life. And so it's cool to see other people doing that because the one thing, and I think you can agree, there's so much misinformation out there about exercise and about we have to do it this way. And what I always tell people, Jen, is anytime anybody tells you you have to do it a certain way, your first exercise should be to walk away from that person or run away from that person because there is no one way. And I like the way that you, you presented that optimal body. Well, how can people find out more information about what you're doing? I mean, obviously, you have Instagram, you have your website. What are some of the, the handles that people can track you down on?
0: Yeah, I mean, Doc Gen Fit, all the places, is I've kept it pretty consistent. So YouTube, we do put the PT pearls from the podcast, which is talking about those physical therapy diagnoses where we show some of the exercises and everything. Those are on YouTube. Um, So docgenfit.com, docgenfit on Instagram, docgenfit on YouTube. I also have, um, and then the Optimal Body Podcast, you can learn, uh, we're basically on every platform there. Um, And I have other Instagrams as well that continue to, to show information on the optimal body and the mobility method. And I also have an app. So if you look up DocGen Fit, the optimal body, you can see all of my Instagram posts organized perfectly into different sections of the body if you don't want to scroll my page. So it's all there. There's so much. I've been doing this now, educating, I think, for three and a half years. And so there's a lot of education that's out there now that I've had. And, and it's a cool thing to continue to see.
1: See, that's cool. And that's and that's kind of the other reason why I started following you is because that's where I want to go with what I'm doing and for the target audience that I'm going after is being able to really speak to like I like I've said, you know, the over 40 group that really just doesn't want to slow down. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at my age of 48, I don't wanna I, I don't wanna let my my body keep me from doing anything I want to do. I don't maybe go as fast or as high as I used to do, like on my mountain bike, but it still is having that opportunity to do that. Well, Doc Square, i uh scared, right? <laughs>
0: A scare, yeah.
1: A scare, yeah. Doc Jen, is scare, and Doc Jen fit. I really, I want to say thank you for your time and thanks for your your input and really for being able to give some great information to the listeners today. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, of course. And you know, I when I was going to that open gym, there was a woman who was fifty five doing giants on high bar, tumbling on the floor. There was also a man who was fifty three, um, a dentist who was still tumbling on floor and vaults and age doesn't have to hold you back
1: well i I call it i call it here i call it california young or california old i was mountain biking with a guy and he was saying something about his birthday coming up and i thought he was maybe a few years older than me turned out he was turning 65 and this was a few years ago and it just wow people still surf they do i mean people stay young and that that's really that's what attracted me to this lifestyle Mm -hmm. well thanks again for your time and i look forward to catching up with you down the road
0: sounds good thank you
1: And see, I think that's, that, that little bit at the end, that was really, I, we, we record this. I record this sometimes on a video conference, on a video chat. And you could see, I think you could hear it in her voice. And when Jen started talking about doing the calisthenics and doing the acro yoga and doing her face lit up, she had a different energy. You could hear it in her voice. That playtime is powerful stuff. When was the last time you got out and just played a little bit, just kind of goofed around a little bit? You went out and maybe played with your kids, threw a ball around, started running around playing tag, climb on a jungle gym, climb, you know, go to the park, climb around, play around, play, get you out of your, out of yourself. You're doing other things. You're interacting. That's one of the things I do on my mountain bike. I'll go out and hit some jumps are some jumps on the trails I ride. And I'm not trying to go super high or do any backflips or anything crazy like that. I just go out and play a little bit. What can I do? Challenge yourself. For Doc Jen, she does acro yoga to challenge herself. We have this body. We can use this body. If you create the right mind body connection, if you create the right body connection, you can go out and use your body to do whatever it is that you want to do. That's why mobility training is so important. That's why I wanted Doc Jen to talk about it a little bit. That's why I made mobility one of the chapters in my book, Smarter Workouts. I have a program down below that goes into mobility. I have a functional core training program really based around mobility and the foundational movements of exercise. Because here's the thing, our body is made to move. Your feet move with your shoulders. And I know that sounds a little funny, but try this. Wherever you are, stand up nice and tall. If you're at the gym, take a moment and try this. Stand up nice and tall. Rotate. Reach your right arm across the body. Reach with your right arm towards the 9 o'clock position. Now with your left arm, reach for the 3 o'clock position. So do that a couple times. Rotate and reach across your body. Do you feel how the arches of your feet are moving? When you have great posture, when you're aligned, when your body is connected, your shoulders and your feet work together. Now I'll try this. Slouch a little bit. Slouch a little bit. Let your, let your chest cave in. Now try to rotate. Number one, you can't rotate as far because your spine's not in an optimal position. And number two, your feet aren't probably moving the same way. Everything in our body is in, interconnected. That's why mobility training is so essential. You can't have a strong body unless you have a mobile body, unless you can control it, unless you control the foundational patterns of movement. The foundational patterns of movement, you heard Jen say it, the squat, the hinge, a lunge or single leg action. You have pushing, you have pulling, you have carrying, you throwing, some of these get outside the traditional ones. You have rotation. Those, that's the way I design my exercise programs. That's the way the exercise programs are written in smarter workouts. They're designed to focus on movement, on making your body move better. You have to move better first. Gray Cook, I mentioned his name in, in the interview. Gray Cook is a physical therapist who's been teaching a lot of this this information. You have to move well first before you can move more often. You have to move well and have optimal mobility and optimal body control in order to really develop strength in order to really develop your body to what it can be hey doc jen does it right and yes do, do I interview her because she's an instagram influencer yes but here's the thing she's a doctor of physical therapy just so you know i get i get pr people reaching out to me sometimes i get pr people reaching out to me sometimes hey the so and so should come on your podcast they have x amount of influencers or they have x amount of followers they're a big social media influencer and I go, yeah, but what are their education qualifications? Well, I have this many inf- they have this many followers. I'm like, that's not a qualification. I interviewed Kaisa Karanen, Kaisa Fit, er- earlier this year. Kaisa has a master's degree in exercise science and was an, was an intern at the University of Washington Strength and Conditioning Program. My friend Kira Stokes, Kira Stokes Fit, on Instagram. Kira Stokes has an undergrad degree in, in kinesiology And I've known Kira for 20 years when we were both floor trainers working for the same health club company way back when, way back in the early 2000s. I know her legitimacy. I wanted to have Doc Jen on because not only is she an influencer, not only does she influence a lot of people, but she has the right qualifications to do that. She has a doctorate in physical therapy, so she knows what she's doing. And she's one of these people, if you're not following her already, please follow her because she puts out great content. Listen to her Optimal Body podcast. You will get a lot out of it. I know you're getting a lot of All About Fitness, but also listen to Doc Jens' podcast as well because I know you'll get a lot out of that. And hey, if you want more information about my content, go to PeteMcCallFitness.com. Sign up for my mailing list. Let me send one or two emails a month to you so you can get more information about how to use exercise to enhance your quality of life. Follow me on Instagram, PeteMcCallFitness. Go to the YouTube channel, All About Fitness podcast. That's the All About Fitness podcast on YouTube. And as always, thank you for stopping by. And I look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness.